Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading the Leeds Book Club podcast. Today we'll be discussing the first book in a fantastic young adult trilogy by Suzanne Collins called The Hunger Games. Joining us today will be a longtime podcaster and a good friend of mine from Twitter, Jay. And in fact, he's actually the person who turned me on to this trilogy in the first place. Jay, how did you discover the books? Um, me and a friend on Twitter, uh, Heather, I think you actually follow her. And um, Endlessly Alaska, is it? Yes, yes. yes. Um, she, I, I'd always wanted to read the books, I'd seen them, and I'm just not a big young adult reader. I'm more of a, you know, historical fiction and things mm. like that, more... Um, yeah adult books I guess is what I what I think um and so I'd always been a little weary of reading them I liked the premise and stuff and um so we started this little <laughs> two-person book club and um she that was one of her selections was the Hunger Games and instantly just just looked yeah I think I read the first one within 24 hours yeah um the second one I wasn't a huge fan of so it took me like a week to read that one mm. and then the third one I absolutely loved and read and again like 24 hours yeah because obviously following the pair of you I could see the two of you flipping out about this book um but like yourself I was slightly I mean up until I think two years ago I just didn't read young adult fiction at all because you know, I, I really enjoyed them when I was that age, but I've progressed onwards. And I think I, maybe I was a bit of a snob about the whole thing, but it just never occurred to me to like go backwards and try them. But the two of you were raving about them. And like you raved about them and then you'd stop for a week or so. Then you'd rave about them some more. <laughs> that was the week in between reading the book. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm the exact same way. I just... Yeah, like you said, I read Young Adult at one point, and then, you know, you get in your 20s, and it was just like, I don't know, I just kind of moved out of the phase. I, I read more like Dan Brown or mm. Connor Golden or, you know, yeah. like people like that. Stephen King is more my type of book. Yeah. And um, so I was a little bit weary of that, you know, Young Adult title. The book elf that I, I do the regular podcast with, um, she recommended sort of three young adult series to me, and they were they're some of the most fantastic books that I've ever read. Sure, they're, they're written with a younger audience in mind, but they cover huge concepts. You know, the characters are absolutely believable and really endearing, but also thoroughly realistic. And the, the fact that they're targeted at a younger audience in no way means that they're not absolutely fantastic books. God knows I read enough drivel that's, you know, designed for my age group to, to just descend into a world like the Hunger Games, but I'm also thinking of the Chronicles of Ancient Darkness by Michelle Paver, and um, the Dark is Rising series. I mean, they're just genuinely creepy, really well written books that have these huge ideas, and and they ask huge questions about who we are as people and as a species, and where we want to go from here. And I think the Hunger Games just fits in with those so much. You know, I mean, I the only thing that slightly um. I read the, the blurb on the back of the book and I kind of thought, yeah, it sounds really good. And the author was there saying that she'd seen reality TV mixed in with images of the war. And that was kind of what inspired it along with um, the myth of Theseus and the Minotaur. But when I read the back of the book, all I could think of was Battle Royale. Mm -hmm. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. Oh my God. I, I'm aware of it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's a fantastic film, but it sounds the setup sounds so similar to this, and I think the games themselves do. But the world of Pan Am that um, Suzanne Collins has created is so. It's so believable, you know, but it feels almost like historical fiction just written from somebody further ahead in time than we are, you know? Yeah, it's definitely very close to home. Just all the themes that she brings out, the world that she that she creates, mm. it's, it's not... I mean, there are a lot of fantastical things in it, but it's not a huge stretch from, from you know, today's reality. I mean, look at reality television and how ridiculous it's getting, mm. you know? But if you um, look back in time as well, I mean, look at the, the circuses that they used to have in... in you know, ancient Rome. Ancient Rome, absolutely. We're, we have for a very long time been quite happy to watch people torn apart by animals and other people and weird circumstances. You know, uh, the human race, we've gotten a bit squeamish in the last few hundred years, but ultimately we're really bloodthirsty. <laughs> we are, and now it's just like the high-tech version of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just, I, I thought that the, because um, you start reading it and they don't, they, they just sound like poor people, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody works really hard. In, in actual fact, I, I had just been reading something about the miners' strike in England. And yeah. um, and I think start, because it's set in a mining region, you just sort of felt like this is... It, it was almost bland how commonplace the scenario was. And it wasn't until she sort of mentioned the electric fence that ha- kept them all in and some of the animals that she mentioned and you were kind of going, well, that's not real. You know, I mean, they're the only aspect, but it's it's like I'm reading Margaret Atwood because she, she writes sort of speculative fiction. I would call it science fiction, but um, she'll create these sort of animals that are like a mixture of a dog and a pig and they sound really conceivable. It sounds like something that's only 10 years away, not like, you know, this big leap in time. And when I was reading, certainly the initial parts of the the first book, The Hunger Games, I mean, it really felt like, you know, it's not, and maybe it's not Europe, or maybe rather it's not my area of Europe, but there are places where this feels like it could happen. I'm sure it's the same in in the the US. Oh, absolutely. And um, like you said, when when she first started, like I actually just went back and read uh, my review on the, we did a little blog for our book club and um, I had a review up of it, and um, this was kind of, when I first read the books, I really liked them, I really enjoyed them, mm. but um, I didn't, you know, I think I gave it like an 8 out of a 10, you know, I didn't like have that huge love for it until I finished the entire series and just immediately went back. You know, some sometimes the writing did feel a little bit too geared to a different audience for me like sometimes especially in the beginning like once we got into the capital and got into the games portions of the books it it really opened up and Mm. and the writing opened up and it got you know very adult for for a very brutal for um what i would consider young adult yeah and um and so you know yeah it started out a little shaky but uh, again just the first part completely believable and just i don't know seeing how they separated the districts, that they were all responsible for this one thing, then mm. that's what they did, and they worked, you know, day and night, and, and just how hard it was to, to um, you know, get food and, and things like that. It's, it's definitely not a, yeah. not a huge stretch. Just to summarize, the, the way the story is structured is that 75 years from the beginning of the book, 75 years in the past, there were 13 districts and a capital. The 13 districts rebelled against the capital and were cruelly and brutally crushed. 
District 13 was decimated off the map entirely and the rest of the districts were allowed to continue on condition that they provided um, two teenagers, a boy and a girl between the ages, I think 12 and 18, who would participate in the Hunger Games. And, um, And throughout the whole sort of initial three or four chapters, the games themselves are quite vague. But what it actually turns out, it, it is a circus, except it's a very high tech circus. Uh, an arena is created, but this is over miles of land with built in terrors and um, also rewards, lots of different conditions. And each of these kids, be they 18 or 12, are literally fighting for their lives. However, this is where I think the real world aspect of it ties in. It's all put on television. Everybody must watch it at all times. And every kid that participates in the games has watched every other game. There is no real sense of shock or surprise. It's, it's, there's such resignation in the way the characters respond to being picked for the games. And I found that was really powerful. But, um, but like you were saying there, um, just to, to go back to sort of the, the bigger analysis of it, I think it was a little bit like Harry Potter. You read sort of the first Harry Potter novel and it, it's a children's book. It's only when you finish the seventh that you realize how detailed the world created was, you know. I was reading about Katniss and Peta, Peta and their journey to the capital and it was from that moment on that I think it really started to become so vivid for me you know when she's talking about the train journey and um, and the, the servants that don't have any tongues because they've been punished for various crimes I mean I was reading it sort of going Jesus as a 13 year old I would have found this scary you know well, and that's the thing is, I mean, you have these AVOXs, you know, no tongue, walking around just, you know, serving these people of the capital, and that's just normal behavior. Mm. Like, I mean, you you put Katniss and Peta in who are not from the capital, who aren't used to, obviously, ever being served in their lives, and, and they look at it and they're confused, but just as, I mean, all these just vapid rich people are just here with these children who, mm. who are tormented and forced into servitude if they're not killed. Mm. It's just, uh, I don't know, it's it's insane. Well, one of the, I think I said it in the review, some of my favorite characters was basically um, Katniss and Peeta are sent to the capital and they're, they're each sort of dolled up so that they present themselves with their best face forward. They each get a stylist and a team and these basically pluck, prod, paint, make, make the kids up. Um, in order to appeal to an audience because there's and you can tell the subtext there's a huge gambling world that goes on behind the games you know they're popularity competitions they frequently make reference to the fact that the kids from district one and two are basically trained for the games even though that's supposedly not allowed two of my i think my favorite character setups were sinna the stylist and um, and his three assistants because they seem that Sinner's obviously he's got a bigger plan in motion. He's just like one of those quiet, intelligent people who's got a great eye. But his three assistants are dippy, like dippy to the point of I don't know how they dress and feed themselves on a regular basis. They are so vacuous. And they're doing her well, up. That's the thing. They probably don't have to. They probably have a little Avox servant that does it for them. I know. How, uh, that is both horrifying and incredibly convenient at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> but they really like Katniss. 
They they get on with her. They enjoy working with her. And then it's like, bye, have have luck in the games. You're probably going to be killed. But, you know, that's fine too. And they've no heart. They've no compassion. It's like been bred out of them. Yeah, I know Senna is a huge character in the books. And he's a huge fan favorite. Um, since I've since I've read the books, you know, I've, I've come into a lot of people that have read them and love them. And Senna is generally a well-regarded character. Mm. And, um, you know, I think he's a good character. Again, like you said, he's kind of that quiet type that just he constantly has his plan in motion Mm, and he's mm. very smart but he's not loud and obnoxious and you know let's start a revolution and yeah um he just has his own way to go about doing things and it's it's very uh it was very fun to read yeah oh so much enjoyed that ass and i loved the um the way that they're described the 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 fact that the two stylists obviously had like decided to coordinate from a very early stage their appearances so Peter and Katniss frequently complement one another in a way that the other districts just didn't seem quite to do except for um what what was Rue's district was that district four uh, I think it was 11 11 I mean her partner and herself they seemed to really sort of bond as well but it was so visual it was like if you closed your eyes you could sort of see the images that would that were popping out on um popping out on the page to you you know and I, I so enjoyed that I loved the interviews as well you could see like a Graham Norton type character <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely doing his best to draw them out and asking them their stories and you know and I again I thought that was that was just so well done the fact that like Katniss just doesn't give a crap about <laughs> any of that she just thinks it's all nonsense just Put me on the ground and I'm going to try and not die till the end, you know. And, and, you know. Exactly. Like, look, I promise my sister I'm not going to die. That's the best I can do. I'm yeah. And, and they're all and kind of like, and what's your favorite color? Game people and see what, you know, walk out of the training session. It's hilarious to watch her. Oh, God. I mean, something that I'm I'm quite happy to spoil because I, I know the vast majority of people who listen to this will probably have read the books. But if you haven't, there's this scene where um, Katniss and Peter and all of the individual... Um, what you call them, tributes, are um, have to go into like a room of judges and show off their special skill so that later the judges can kind of work in particular challenges unique to, to their skill set. And, um, and because they're from District 12, Peta and um, Katniss are the last ones to go in. And when when Katniss goes in, all of, all of the like judges and stuff are you know they've been drinking they've eaten too much they're totally out of it and she's so disgusted at their lack of respect given that she is about to you know go into the arena to die she shoots an arrow at, at an apple that one of them is holding you know and i i had a proper like whoop on the bus i was on the bus in public whooping because a fictional character did that <laughs> I loved poor Peter. I mean, he just goes in and he tosses, you know, bags of flour around for like an hour. And these people are sitting over here getting drunk. And the poor guy, I mean, he's great at conversation and he's great at manipulation and things like that when you get him in front of this huge crowd. Mm. But as far as like having any like outward, um, you know, skills to for the games he just didn't really have any like flashy things yeah like how do you bow and arrow or anything how do you so demonstrate endurance here, i can see him throwing around saxophone <laughs> <laughs> hey mitch uh, hey mitch i am um, he won the games like 25 years ago he is a degenerate alcoholic um he really doesn't like them 
all that much. He really doesn't seem to care whether or not they survive at all. And um, and I, I really enjoyed the fact that, like, from the moment that I think Peter asked that they be mentored separately, because Hamish had this big plan about how they were going to work together and that was going to be, like, their thing, and Katniss was kind of like, whatever, I'm only here in body. And, um, and Peter was kind of like, yeah, the fact that she's only here in body is freaking me out a little bit, so I want to go separately. And it was from that moment on that he properly steps up and goes, you know what, one of the two of you could survive. It would be really nice not to be the only Egypt dragged out year in, year out, you know. Um, and I just, I just loved him. I think, again, he was one of my favourite characters. I went from having, I went from thinking that he was purely a stereotype and a really one of those stereotypes that I really rail, rail against, you know, this one dimensional drunk. And, and then by the end of the book, it was just like, of course he's talking to you. He's communicating via tiny little parachuted gifts. <laughs> I loved I loved that relationship just like that that you said that he and Katniss kind of got each other mm. and they had that relationship that, that was shown throughout the entire games of you know he's going to hold back water from her because she's so close to water and she gets that and yeah. you know just he only sends her things that she absolutely needs it's not you know she's not going to sit in her tree every night and have this huge pile of bread and water and but um, it's also like this I don't know they just had a relationship that really it really worked. It's proper psychological warfare as well, though. She doesn't do, you know, he's like, he's got a game plan. She doesn't want his game plan. Well, you're not getting anything from me until you toe the line. <laughs> you know, and you could, like, when she's, when she's it, it, describing it so well in the book, because she's a bit slow on the uptake. Like, after the, the bit with the water, I, I sort of started to cop on. It took her ages. When she, like, kind of clocks and go, oh, my God, he wants me to do this. I'm going to do everything I think that he wants and get as many rewards as possible. Like she has a proper, you know, click moment. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You definitely, she's, um, she's not the easiest character to get along with. You could definitely say that. And she has her own way about doing things. So mm. it's, it's hard for her to break through those, that, that stubborn nature and to realize that he's not just, it's, it's easier for her to just, you know, degrade Hamish and, and talk about how bad he is and, He's withholding things because he doesn't like me. And, yeah. you know, it's a lot easier to have him as a scapegoat than actually think of him as an ally. Yeah, and, and, um, and I, I loved the fact that the, the, she has this moment where she was kind of going, okay, if I go with the plan, I'll get rewards. Crap, I wish I'd paid attention to the plan. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, I'm stuck out here all alone now. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, you know, what am I going to do? And I loved that. I loved that she, because she's, I mean, I loved Katniss from the very outset because she does what so few female characters, be it adult, young adult, you know, geriatric books. She she is thoroughly independent. She never tries to make herself pretty. And I don't mean like physically pretty because, you know, to be honest, I think she's a, a girl on the cusp of puberty. I don't think she's all that aware of, you know, like there's, there's some very brief thoughts of Gale in terms of his attractions and that kind of thing but she's she's quite young for all of that but I mean like she never tries to make herself pretty to the audience to the reader she's just thoroughly honest it's the life that she's led she's not gonna bullshit she's not gonna you know play any games to make you like her in fact when she tries to do that she's a little bit obnoxious 
And I just, I loved her. I thought she was so real. I was an obnoxious teenager. (laughs) It made sense to me that she would be, she would have some really iffy qualities as well. You know, that felt very real. Yeah, to me, she was a hard character to get along with. I mean, I always respected her, you know, for what she did for her sister. And and I always looked at her as a strong character. Mm. But for me, just, I had reservations about her just because her distrust of everyone and, and I mean obviously in the world that they're in you can see how that would breed distrust and, mm. and dishonesty and, and a lot of bad things but I don't know that I think that's why Peta just really he was my absolute favorite character through all three of the books mm. he just had such a different nature than anybody else in the book he had just this this beautiful nature that I mean I don't I don't know I just really took to it and just his optimism throughout the worst of situations I just I absolutely loved yeah I mean I think I in my review of the first book I think I described Peter as hope how can you dislike hope he's just he's not blindly optimistic he's aware that he is going to have to kill somebody or and somebody is going to try and kill him he doesn't have any illusions about that but he is um he's a noble soul but I didn't really relate to him because he was, he was so grown up, you know, he, he was all of the things that you've said and, that, and I, I admired him so much for that. And, and there were times when I, quite frankly, um, I found him to be far more honourable than Katniss, but like, I was never that good. You know, he, there was, there was something not, and he never came across as precious or pious or anything. I just sort of thought, I understood why she went hunting with Gail and why she avoided him at school. You know, I just, I don't know what, what do you talk about? They've got this huge experience that they have in common, but otherwise he's so nice. What would you talk to him about? (laughs) See, I think, I think that's, and that's what I said in regard to your, um, I I loved you calling him hope in in your review. Mm. And I think one of the things I said is that each of the main characters like represents something that you can relate to and, and like you said you related to Katniss and, mm. and I think I relate to Peta and, and just that um, just his nature and his optimism and, and just like you said being good and mm. and things like that it's just like you, you find parts of yourself in these characters yeah. and um, that's what really draws you to a particular character whether it's Gale or Katniss or yeah. Peta or yeah. hopefully not Hamish but it's, <laughs> but um, you know you're just drawn to these characters and I remember there was a part of the book when they were up on the roof before the game started. Mm. And, um, you know, Peter was, you know, trying to express to Katniss how he didn't want to change in the games and he didn't want, you know, he was going to kill. Yeah. I mean, that that was, you know, she asked him obviously up front, are you Mm. not going to kill? And I mean, he was always going to kill. He's going to do what he has to do to to try to survive these games. Mm. But at his core, he didn't want to let the capital win really win and that's mm. the only way they could have won is, is not killing him in, in the arena but you know killing his soul and that just um yeah. that was probably my favorite moment of the book i i i think the book um for me it splits into two there's all of the build-up and they're getting preened and prodded and put in front of the cameras and dragged out of their homes and then there's the games themselves and i mean it's it's a totally different book for about yes. halfway through and it utterly changes I think eight characters die within the space of four pages, you know, and um, and 
I mean, it's one of the funny things because I was trying to look up who's playing who um, in the film, which I'm hoping to, we'll, we might move on to um, just before the end of the podcast because it's not the point. I, the books are the books, but I was trying to look up like various characters. And I realized that like so many of the, the middle districts, you never learn their names. You don't learn anything about them, you know, and, and that was why it was it was kind of the character of Rue, who is kind of Katniss's direct opposite um she's tiny she's light she's also really i think i think she she's very family orientated so they've got that in common but um but she's also quite gentle and um and i loved that part where she had her unique whistle and the mocking jays which by the way are an awesome creation would repeat that back to her and i found her rue's character to be like an oasis in this section of the book because there's just so much violence and brutality and betrayal and then there's Rue and she's up flying through the tops of the trees and you know and she's whistling her little song and birds are joining in and honestly it was like cold water on a hot day I I loved her I just thought she was absolutely beautiful yes there's nothing bad that you could possibly say about Rue I remember the first time I read it though and I love going back and reading her sections of the book like you said it's just that it's that sigh of relief in Mm -hmm. the middle of just I mean you've just seen this huge cornucopia battle and you know talking about stepping off your your pressure plate and before the 60 seconds you're blown to pieces yeah you know it's just all this insane stuff is going on and then you just get this little reprieve where she and Katniss become really good friends but there was always that point in my mind knowing that, uh, and the same with Peter, there was always that point of knowing that, okay, all of these people can't win. Mm. And, mm. you know, what's going to happen if Rue and Katniss are the last two left in this game? Yeah. And, you know, there was always that little... I think you know, I think I always knew... I think I always knew that Rue was going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, the same way that you know... You know the ones that are named, uh, Fox Face and Rue, and the two from District Two, and the the really snide boy. I can't think of his name now. Cato uh, and Glimmer are from District Two, I think. Yeah, um, I you always I always knew that they were. It was going to come down to them, if you know what I mean, because that's how yeah. the book is structured. The ones that didn't have any names, they were going to die off very, fairly quickly. But I loved the fact that um, that Rue's partner hadn't been named until much later in the book. And um, and I, I thought that the, the interactions between, you know, cause, because at, at one point he actually saves Katniss um, and he sort of goes, did you kill Rue? And she goes, I did not kill Rue. I was friends with Rue and she taught me her silly little song. And he's like, all right then, I won't kill you for now and he wanders <laughs> off and but there was a real um you've done me good so I'll do you good and I thought that was just absolutely lovely it came across so so they, they felt so mature in the book you know like in a way that you know the real world doesn't always seem to be and then for for the character the way the character of fox face actually dies you know i mean that, that was i thought that was really clever you know? <laughs> I, I was shocked <laughs> I, I loved I, I liked that all of these characters in the arena you didn't get a lot of information about them but you got enough that they felt three-dimensional yeah you got enough from katniss's point of view that you know they said the name of the the career tributes and, and you kind of got this idea of them in your head Big. You know, we didn't get their parents or their backstory or whatever. Yeah. But we we got enough just to create this whole three dimensional villain for Katniss to face off against in the arena. Yeah. And um and, and like you said about owing people, that was a big theme throughout the book because you see 
when Katniss was was small about Peta handing her the bread when she was starving. Mm. And, you know, there's all these points throughout the book that that Katniss feels like she owes Peta because he just constantly tries to save her. He he aligns with, you know, the career tributes Mm. um, Mm. to to help keep her alive. And just all these things, he saves her constantly throughout the book. And I loved the ending of her being able to you know, give him the sleep syrup and go to this to this feast that the capital has created. I to, thought that was brilliant. The way he has like back. the it big salt. So I just thought when he when he had that through that massive strop the next day when he realised what had <laughs> happened. Um, and I quite liked the fact that like at that point because she was very much like I had to go and get the medicine for you and I had to take care of you and I think that's the moment when it was really cemented to Peter that Hamish didn't actually you know Hamish had bet on the other player mm-hmm. and I don't I don't think uh, because Katniss is not a subtle creature no. <laughs> you know she can um, she can hunt and she can creep through the forests totally silent but she is blind to the people around her and I thought that was something the book did very well that the characters that um, we cared about the most throughout the book were generous you know they had generous hearts and Cinna you know making making Katniss a player because she could have so easily just been the sulky quiet girl that nobody noticed you know and um, Peter that gave her the bread that saved her in the first place, Gail that promised that he was going to look after her mother and and you know her younger sister. I mean, they they were all they all had a, had a hint of kindness that I don't necessarily think Katniss had at the beginning of the book anyway. Mm-hmm. But then I, I like that she learns from them all. It's, it, I'm making it sound like it was so ABC, and it really wasn't that way at all. You know? No, no, no. I understand exactly what you're saying because. That's why I was always a fan of Peter and Katniss being together because they were, they were such polar opposites, mm. but it, it just worked so well, just his nature, and, and they both could learn things from each other because, mm. Mm. you know, at times he was a, a little bit too soft and she was a bit harsh, and, mm. and so their natures just, I don't know, they worked for me together, and just to see them learn from each other, see them in the cave, in the games, and... Um, I don't know, just reacting off each other at times, not knowing whether it was for the games and, and for Hamish's gifts or if it was for, you know, their own self or, you know, Katniss being with Peta. Was yeah. it, did she really want to be there or was it just for the games? Well, that was that was kind of something that annoyed me a little bit because I think Peter was, he, he came across as being really smart and really articulate. And then I think a bit dumb, really, because I thought it was quite obvious, like the way she was really stilted with him and quite cold, and then she'd realize they needed something and give him a bit of a kiss. I don't understand how he could have ever bought into it. <laughs> but yes, then, but but you have to understand that this was a kid who's been in love with this girl since he was four. Yeah. He, for the first time in his life, she's speaking to him. I mean, I, I don't think it was it was this huge. He's dying. He's he's losing blood. Mm. You know, he's in a cave in these Hunger Games where everybody everybody and everything is trying to kill him. Yeah. And this one girl from his entire life is showing him a little bit of attention. Yeah. I don't think he cared. I think he was just like, hey, pretty girl, attention. I don't care. Okay, it may be for gifts, but hey, yeah. I'll take it. Well, uh, well, what I was actually building up to there is that I think that it was because we only hear about it from her perspective. And I think that she was rationalizing a lot by the end of the book. Like, I think she was kind of, she was telling it all like it was this cold, unemotional thing. But I think we actually watch her kind of fall for him. 
a little Absolutely. bit. She's Absolutely. she's just blind. You know? <laughs> yeah, I was a bit. Um, I expected most people to be Gale fans, as far as you know, for for Gale and Katniss. Mm. Um, and but he's actually, barely in I've, this book. Since I've read the books and talked to people, I only know of one or two actual Gale fans. But when I was reading the book, like I thought there was no hope for Peta. Mm. Like I, I wanted them to to be together, but I, I just didn't think there was even chance in hell that that was going to happen yeah and um but I, I loved watching them in the caves together and, and building that relationship and that foundation I, I thought it was um again almost a little break I know he's dying and mm. you know everything's mm. trying to kill him but again it was just a little break of, of great character development yeah I think again one of the things that um that just but I think I think I was aware of the Gale issue before I should have been because certainly at the end of the first book He's barely in it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I never really saw him as any major competition to Peter. Like, I think that I, I think she'd built him up in her head. But I, th- I think Peter had awakened the feelings in her. It was being away from Gail and being with Peter that made her sort of compare the two of them. But, um, but I never saw him as... I, I always thought that by the time she got back, assuming that she would get back their life lives had just diverged they had such different experiences then and that was one of the reasons why i quite liked that they kept bringing up his politics that he was so vitriolic against the capital i thought that it was kind of it was really good to have even if it was his voice in her head sort of saying these people don't care about you they you are fodder to them you are an animal that's going to be killed and he he informed so much of her world but i didn't feel that until the second book you know, um, I didn't really, uh, again, like you said, he's barely in the first book. And even, you know, he's not huge really until the third book. Mm. And um, I didn't get a lot about his character. To be honest, I didn't pay him much attention. Um, the only reason I even really mentioned him in my first review of the book was because um, Heather is a huge Gale fan. Um, so that's the only reason I ever even thought of the character. And I think maybe that's why I overhyped his character as far as mm. Peter mm. not having a chance is because... I don't know, I thought of him as maybe a little bit bigger than he was. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I loved, after reading all three books, and just, I didn't catch anything about his nature in the first book, really, other than he and Katniss hunting and things like that. Mm. But there's just so many little hints of his just um, warlike nature, I guess. Just so many little lines here and there in the first book that completely tell you where he's going to be in the third book. Yeah. They completely show you his nature that first time through I never called at, at all yeah um now obviously the two of us are very aware of the fact that and I think I've, I've blogged about it um there's going to be a Hunger Games film yes Hunger Games so yay excited. I'm very excited about this and I'm really <laughs> excited because Peter is going to be played by Josh Hutcherson yes and um He's brilliant. I've been watching him since he was a tiny little kid, so I'm really excited to see him, although it'll be weird having him blonde. I, I don't think he's that... I know in the new posters, like, he's really, really blonde, but in the in the actual movie photos, he doesn't look very blonde, so I think that's a little photoshopping. But um, I, I've only seen him since I heard about The Hunger Games. Yeah. I've never seen him in anything. And so I went back and I watched The Kids Are All Right. Yeah, oh, wow. He did excellent in that movie so i'm excited to see him as Peter. i was i was glad because i didn't really know him and you know Peter being my favorite character i was a little yeah you know cautious of who plays him but um i thought he, he was great in that movie 
I don't. I'm not. I'm not so familiar with them, Jennifer Lawrence at all. I don't know. See, she was the only one that I knew out of like the main three. She was the only one I'd ever seen. I've seen her in um, X Men First Class, and um, actually, I think her first big movie is. It was called Winter's Bone. I haven't seen it, but she was nominated for an Academy Award, so she can't be too terrible. Oh wow, God, I'm just yeah. I have no culture. I've not seen any of these things. I, I never saw the movie, but I do remember her from the award show because she looked great. And I was just like, wow. Okay, and now I'm going to say something that's really horrible and judgmental. <laughs> you know the guy, Liam Hemsworth, that's playing, um, he's going to be playing Gale? Yes. I know his older brother is Thor, or as I prefer to call him, Thor. Um, and he's going to be in the Avengers, which I'm quite excited about. But I know nothing about him, and I'm really not inspired by him at all. Um, actually, I think uh, Heather is very disappointed by this choice as Gail, because, you know, that's her favorite character, I think. Yeah. And um, I don't know, I've never seen the guy in anything. I, I like his older brother. Mm. That, that's basically all I can say. I've seen his, you know, his older brother in things. As always, thank you very much for listening and we'll be bringing you book two in the Hunger Games trilogy, Catching Fire, very shortly. Thank you. Bye.